I want to see what that dad bot can do out there. I manhandle that little baby. Welcome back. Football and other efforts here. Michael Gillum, Michael Herndon, and Zach Lyons with you today. As always, you can find all of us at broadwaysportsmedia.com. Come check us out. Let's get into it. Good day, gentlemen. How are we? Good. Oh, so my God. <laughs> what a horrible way to start the show with the dead air. Uh, doing good. <laughs> I'm just here for the informations. <laughs> well, it, it doesn't help that I'm recording on these these earpod, airpod things, whatever my Samsung. So it's I'm already getting a delay in my ears and audio doesn't sound great. So yeah, yeah. It's just how are we doing dead air? Well, hey, listen, don't feel bad about it. One of the I mean, uh, biggest radio stations in Nashville lets uh, two of their co-hosts still do Zoom, even though the everybody else is in the studio. So I mean, like, you know, you you're you're just you're just a following suit of a popular radio show. Perfect. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's really the best way to start a show. I don't know why anyone's so mad about it. Well, we got to start with Pecorine, retired this week after 15 years with the National Predators. Uh, his entire career spent with the National Predators, which you'll love to see a player retire with his original team. Um, so I will start there. Zach, your thoughts on Pekka and the retirement? You know, I, I'm going to miss Pekka. I. I guess you could argue there there was an argument to be made that it was probably Shea Weber and Pekka as like the face of the franchise for the Nashville Predators, but obviously Shea Weber left a few seasons ago. So really it became Pekka as the most recognizable player probably. And I guess now it's going to be Forsberg and these, these other guys, but you know, I'm looking at his, accomplishments and everything and this guy deserved I, th- I feel like he deserved some more Bazina awards did am i even pronouncing that Vesna. right Vesna. Vesna zachary Good well, well listen 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 here's the thing don't put an eye in there if they, if it's Vesna, get the eye out of there let me just say that look i didn't really prepare for this segment too much it's been a wild week so there's an eye in it that's their fault that's their fault not my fault so the Vesna Award, I'm doing quotation marks even though you guys can't see it, like uh, Dr. Evil over here. He needs more of those. I mean, what, what the heck is up with that? I mean, only one. And, you know, I, I feel like there should have been more. But you look at it, I don't know where he ranks on the hall, all-time goalie list or whatever. I can, as I can, far I as, can help with that. Well, He's, he, he's basically a clear top 20 goalie all-time. Well, oh, wow. Ooh. Well, I was going to say probably top 10, but, you know, way to lower expectations for everybody. I mean, well, statistically, there, there's been a lot of g- good goalies in hockey history, Zach. Well, you know, I don't know any of them besides Pekka and Soros. That's about all. I, that's about the extent of my goalies. Oh, and Chris Mason. I know that's my the goalies I know. Look, obviously, I'm not a hockey guy, so there's not much I can say <laughs> other than I go to a lot of Preds games really have no clue what's going on. I've been a season ticket holder for like four seasons now, and I still don't know anything about hockey other than I really enjoy the games. The Preds are awesome. And Pekka is a good guy. I've sold him. A, we sold him a few cars in uh, the uh, side business over here. And you know, he's a nice guy. 
I'm so glad I'm a tag. <laughs> I also, hey, listen, I, I just want to say that someone stumbled worse at his press conference than I just did. Someone go went off on this tangent asking about, didn't basically saying they didn't know if he was actually married or not and whether to call his wife or fiance a wife, fiance, or girlfriend. They, that was the second question out of the gate, and they just went off oh, this no. wild. Yeah, they went off this wild tangent about I never know what to call your significant other. Is it a wife, a girlfriend, a fiance? Oh, blah blah. It, oh, but y'all think I butchered it bad? At least Pekka's not listening right now to this. They they have a child. Yeah, and that was the what's the question about? Was it about their seventh month? How much did the, having the seventh month old uh, baby in December weigh into this decision? Well, Mike, by all means, drag us out of this ditch after Zach thinks that we need to go around and steal other goalies' Vaseline awards. <laughs> well, as Zach mentioned, uh, you know, Pekka was a, uh, a Vizina Trophy uh, winner. Uh, I said Vizina. Uh, and and, and four-time uh, four finalist. Um, yeah, I mean, so clearly the best Predator goalie in, in, you know, franchise history, the best Predator overall in franchise history. Um, I, I think he is going to be like a borderline Hall of Famer. I think it'll be an interesting conversation when we get to that point with him, whether or not he actually gets in, because I think he's going to be really close. Like I said, I, he is statistically, if you look at goals against average, save percentage, uh, wins all the stuff that you know the traditional metrics that, that people judge goalies off of. He is top twenty in virtually every one of those, um, and, and usually you know hovering right around that like seventeen to nineteen range. So I think he's one of the twenty best goalies of all time. I think he can be pretty comfortable with that, uh, and I think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame because here's the thing that puts me puts him over the top for me. What he meant for this franchise, because and look, you know, it, part of that's kind of like soft, right? What, but he is the guy that you think about when you think about the Predators. He's going to be the guy that you think about when you think about that run uh, that they went on to the Stanley Cup, which was like, I mean, that's a big hockey moment, right? I mean, uh, it, you know, and and I feel like now we see all these plaza parties and stuff like that, like with the Bucks have been having the what is what do they call it, the Deer District uh out there and which looks like a cool scene and everything uh with the nba finals but i feel like nashville almost kind of started that with that stanley cup run with the predators when we started having all those outdoor watch parties even for home games uh when the arena would be filled up and there would still be people spilled out on the street trying to like just be a part of the atmosphere um and pekka was the player from that team um I think he's he's it's going to be close, but I think he needs to be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Um, and yeah, I, I appreciate the fact that not only was Pekka a phenomenal player and a phenomenal goalie that kept kept the team competitive for years and years and years, despite the fact that look, they were not they've never been good offensively. This this Predators team has had like one or they're kind of like the it's it's almost strange. Like I feel like Nashville pro sports has this thing where it's like all of the teams have to be very defensive oriented. Uh, you know, you, you get the Titans who for years and years and years could not put together an offense to save their life, but would, you know, pop up and randomly have, you know, a, a top five defense every four or five years. Um, 
the the Predators have always been a defensive oriented team. The Nashville SC even has started off as a defensive oriented team. So there's something weird about Nashville and and defense, but it is uh, remarkable how tough the Predators have had a time finding goal scorers during this, like what we would consider the golden era of Predators hockey. I mean, they've, they've been to the playoffs, what, seven straight years, I think. Uh, it was second longest streak currently active in the NHL. Um, and it's all because they play great defense and they have great goaltending. And, and that's been true for the, the entire stretch. And it looks like UC Soros is going to pick up where, where Pekka left off uh, to some degree. But that's, that's a pretty big set of shoes to fill um, from uh, 35. And, you know, was a great dude the whole time as well. Look. I may be what the kids call casual, a casual when it comes to hockey, obviously. Uh, but I really enjoy the sport, and I've really enjoyed what I've seen from Pekka, even though I have really no clue other than he stops goals. That's why I know. And he does them, he does them awesomely. So I got to ask, Mike, does the lack of uh, fajita awards by uh, Pekka, does that affect his Hall of Fame chances? Because he only has one fajita award. Well, I think the fact that he did get a, a – uh, I was going to make another one, but then I stopped myself. Um, no. So I think that the fact that he only has one Vesna is, it makes it a little bit tougher, but the fact that he did get one, I think at least if he had never won the Vesna and had never won the Stanley cup, I think it would have been very tough to make an argument for him. But the fact that he does have a Vesna and he came very close uh, to getting a Stanley cup too. And, and I think that sucks. You know, the fact that he never got, the Stanley cup, despite the fact that the predators were so close. Um, but yeah, I think that's the argument against him is usually, I think most of the goalies that are in the hall of fame have at least one Vesna, at least one Stanley cup. And, and Pekka only has one of those two. Um, so I think that's, that could be held against him to some degree, but I hope it's not. I really liked coming from his players tribune article. And then also from his, um, from his press conference from when he retired, there were two little nuggets that came out that I really liked. The first was when he flew to Toronto to meet um, a national scout. And he was saying that back in like 2000, I think it was 2005, 2006, something along those lines, the fashion in Europe especially was tight, torn up jeans and, and shirts covered in big logos. I didn't quite understand the shirts covered in big logos thing, but apparently he shows up in the lobby to, to meet the scout to, to go to dinner with, you know, some teams and the scout looks at him and he sees these torn up jeans and the, and the shirt covered in the logos and these big like high top white Nikes. And he goes, do you have something else to wear? <laughs> and I thought he was like wearing the pinnacle of fashion and the scout was basically just like, I don't think this is going to go well. Took it to Gap to buy some clothes so that he could go to dinner with this group and then the second was that when he got picked up on nashville he said he was really excited and then he had to get out an atlas and look up where nashville won so i, I thought that was great and now all of a sudden he's just you know he's i mean he's nashville through and through he's like pecorino he's nashville predators so uh it, it re really cool i i really liked I liked that he got to play a last game in front of a barn that had fans in it because, you know, coming off of the end of COVID, you know, you, you were worried he wasn't going to be able to get some fan recognition because we all kind of knew that his retirement would be coming 
So I'm glad he got that that last moment of of fan gratitude, and he thoroughly enjoyed it. He says in the article, said it repeated, you know, at his press conference that being able to skate around to kind of do his you know last goodbye while the crowd was going nuts. He said he absolutely loved it. So that my heart goes out to him for that. I, I love that piece. Yeah, and that was that was cool. I, I do think the fact that he ended his career with a shutout. Uh, at home and, and the fans going crazy and, and he did get that send off right I mean that that was that was very cool um and you know that's that I mean it did get a little dusty in my house uh that evening when when he finally finished the shutout and everyone stayed on the ice and stayed in the arena uh to kind of like give him you know kind of give him his send off just in case you know and, and it turns out to be a good thing that they did so, Zach, since the Predators were unable to get this man a Stanley Cup, should he, since he retired with the same team and had a great career, be able to just go around the NHL and take someone else's vegetable award? Yes, he should. He should definitely take the uh, Vegeta award. <laughs> just go around and take the vegan award. If actual hockey fans that are listening to this are just – They, they are going to rip me to shreds on, on, on Twitter. And I can't yeah, wait. Just destroy Follow me Zach. on Twitter at Epworth Spot. This is going to be a great <laughs> way for me to get some extra follows. I'm almost to 4,000. Let's go. For some great <laughs> hockey takes. I mean, we have called it everything but the Vesney Award. Listen, this is why I very rarely talk hockey because I don't know the X's and O's parts, and I'm I don't I only really follow the Preds, right? So I don't really follow other teams. I don't watch. I didn't watch any Stanley Cup Finals, any playoffs. Once the Preds are out, I don't I don't care. And we want to give you all some honest reaction. I mean, I I'm with Zach. I don't watch a ton of hockey. I am a big Predators fan, but. Oh my God, uh, Zach! I almost didn't recover from whatever you called the Vesna Award at the beginning. I, I really didn't. I thought I was going to have to you, mute. I called it the Vesna or the, the Vezina. Vezina. You you added multiple vowels. Well, <laughs> all right, I we're going to too. All right, so the Tennessee Titans are going to put three people in the Ring of Honor this year: Bum Phillips, Jeff Fisher, and Floyd Reese will be inducted. Do we have dates for those? Um, and they, you know, chose the Colts home game. I don't know the exact date off the top of my head, but one of them is the Colts home game. I, I think they're doing them at different times, I believe, but I'm not 100% sure. So there you have it. With the Titans have got three inductees this year, the three pretty big inductees. Now, out of the reactions we saw going around yesterday, which we're going to get to multiple of them. Uh, there are some wild ones. ones. And there's some wild ones. I'll I'll start with Floyd Reese. Uh, a lot of a lot of jabs within our group and on Twitter about how Floyd Reese's career ended with the Titans. But based on how his career started, do do you feel like that he is he's worthy of this honor, Zach? I think it's a little weird that you put GMs in rings of ring of honor. Like because obviously, I, I just that's something I like. I get uh, maybe an owner that passed away or something, and I, I just feel like it's kind of weird because I feel like it's a it should be for players and coaches. But I guess you know GMs deserve some honor too. Floyd Reese is the winningest GM. You know some of the some of the reactions were he's the most deserving person ever to ever get into the Ring of Honor for the Tennessee Titans and and crazy Ridiculous. stuff like that. It's that's a little much for me. 
a little rich for my taste because you're talking about a guy that drafted Kevin Dyson over Randy Moss, a guy who drafted Andre Wilfork, uh, a guy that locked Steve McNair out of the building, uh, and a guy that tanked the salary cap at some point. I mean, you're talking about a guy that kind of just disrupted and left a team in shambles when he was uh, eventually fired. You know, yeah, he did some great things, but this is why I don't think GM should be in, because unless your GM stays with you for decades and decades and decades, eventually they get fired, right? Unless unless they're a really good GM. And there are really good GMs out there that have been with a, a team for a long time and everything. They don't end the way that they did. They either retire or they're fired. And, you know, Floyd Reese, he he just destroyed this team. You're talking about alienating your face of the franchise, face of the team uh, for decades and decades and decades. And Steve McNair, I mean, everybody knows about Steve McNair. And I'm not saying that he shouldn't be in it, but this is why GM shouldn't be in. And for people to say that, he's the most deserving person ever to get this. And nobody deserves this honor more than Floyd Reese. L- listen, you could be friends with someone, but you can tell them they look like shit. You can tell them that. And to me, it's okay to tell someone that, Hey, you don't look that great in a turtleneck. You don't look that you shouldn't wear vertical stripes or horizontal stripes. I mean, it's okay to be honest with someone and, and also still appreciate them. Yeah, I, 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 um, I think at the end of the day, Floyd Reese, the Titans may regret putting him in the Ring of Honor at some point in the future. Because look, here's the deal with the Titans slash Oilers franchise. They they've obviously they've never won a Super Bowl. Uh, they did win the two AFL championships right out of the gate back in the '60s. Um, but you know, that was before the merger and all that stuff. So as an NFL franchise, they've never won a championship. The closest that they've gotten is obviously that Super Bowl appearance that Floyd Reese constructed the roster that made it to the Super Bowl. So to date, he has constructed the best roster that we've seen from you know in in this franchise's history. So I think that's why he's going in right now. However, he was Final record as a GM, 106 and 102. Four games above 500. Very average. Uh, John Robinson, through four years, uh, is already more than 10 games above 500. And and obviously, you know, a, a couple terrible seasons that end in him fired would, would negate that, but he's 47 and 33. So, you know, from a wins and losses standpoint, John Robinson is way ahead of Floyd Reese already. So I, I don't know. I guess if over the next 30 years, let's say the Titans, you know, rip off a couple Super Bowls with, you know, some some GM or some group uh, over the next 30 years, we're going to look back and we're going to probably barely remember Floyd Reese. Um, and, and we're certainly not going to say he was the best GM in, in franchise history at that point. Hopefully, I mean, because if, if – if, he ends up going down as the best GM in franchise history, then this is going to be a big time failure of a, of an NFL franchise. So I don't know. I, I mean, was can he you honestly good? sit here and say right now that he is the best GM in franchise history? Uh, I mean, you could make it, you could make an argument. I, I mean, I, mean, I guess John, if Super Bowl's the goal and that's the only right, thing. I mean, right. sure. But 
I don't know. You look at the moves and the draft picks and all this stuff. I mean, I'm leaning, I'm leaning John Robinson, but you know, I mean, maybe yeah. it's a little bit of recency bias, but you know, he, he, he drafted, I mean, to give him some credit, he drafted Steve McNair. He drafted Eddie George, Chris Johnson, Javon curse, um, Keith Bullock. He had a lot of hits in there, right? I mean, I, the, the Titans didn't get really good in the early nineties and, and, or the late nineties and two thousands by accident. <laughs> you know, they built a really strong roster. Um, but it's not like he was just constantly hitting it out of the park. I mean, he hit on a few picks. Um, he missed on a bunch. And, and then he left them in cap hell, right? I mean, that's, that's the, that is kind of the thing that soured, I think, a lot of people on Floyd Reese at the end was he ended up with the Titans in cap hell. And like you mentioned, locking Steve McNair out of the facility, having to trade away a lot of their best players. Having to the having to watch Steve McNair and Derek Mason and Samari Roll all finish their career with the Baltimore effing Ravens. I mean, that was that was as painful as it could have possibly been uh, for Titans fans during that era. Um, especially since the their own team had kind of gone in the tank at that point and they were having to watch those guys play in the playoffs with with the team that they probably the franchise that the Titans Titans fans hate more than any other, really. Uh, when it comes down to it. So that really is a stain on Floyd Reese's legacy, in my opinion. And, and I don't know, he, to me, is the least deserving of the guys that are in the ring of honor. Uh, that's just my opinion. And, and I'm, I'm right there. I mean, I think the arguments that both of you made are, are why I, I agree with Zach here about putting GMs in the ring of honor. I think it needs to be above and beyond. I mean, did this GM rip off a few Super Bowl wins with you? I, I, I let, let's go with Mike's premise of let's say John Robinson gets it done. If John Robinson gets even at one Super Bowl win, he's already eclipsed Floyd Reese. And then the Floyd Reese put, you know, Ring of Honor kind of looks a little silly in my opinion. And the majority, if you throw out Floyd Reese to Titans fans, I, I really think that the majority of the reaction you're going to get is exactly what our reaction was yesterday. You locked Steve McNair out of the building and you left the, the team broke. So I don't know. That that's it, it's tough for me to say, yeah, throw his name on a banner and hang it up in the ring, even though the banners in our place are a yes, we're still open banner that hangs outside a restaurant. We're gonna get to that in a minute. But uh I don't know. I I agree with Zach there. I both of you actually. Like, like I think if you a genium that's deserving to go in that just came into top of my head, Kevin Colbert of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's been with them for now 21 years. Um, they have a, multiple playoff appearances, two Super Bowls under him. They only have one season under 500 out of that 21. That's a that's a guy that you induct into your your Hall of Fame, in my opinion. Yeah. Or yeah, I, I think, whatever you call it. I think you're setting the bar awfully low to the point where you could end up having to induct like five GMs into the ring of honor. If the Titans go on a good run over the next, you know, 40, 50 years, whatever, you know, how, however long the NFL is going to be around as, <laughs> as a league, um, you know, you, you may end up having to induct a bunch of GMs into the uh, ring of honor if, if they keep winning. But at the end of the day, they're basically just taking your name and zip tying a banner <laughs> onto the fence at the top of the stadium Let's yeah. just throw it out there. Do the Titans have the worst ring of honor, physical ring of honor in the league? 
I, I'm sure it's it's bottom tier because it is it is a stadium that is in desperate need of some updating and improvements. Um, I, I I tweeted out on um, Tuesday that uh, or Wednesday a bunch of stadiums have also like museums or displays inside the stadium that. They need to do the same thing, and we've been clamoring for it for since basically we've started this podcast when uh, Internet Keith and DJ EJ were on the show that lean into the Greek, get the Parthenon in there, and make the Parthenon your ring of honor or do a walk of fame or something that that commemorates all these players because it would be really cool to have statues with, you know, with uh, col- Greek columns surrounding them. And you have these larger-than-life statues that make these guys, you know, that give the guys the proper credit that deserve it. You know, could you imagine, like, Steve McNair? I'm not saying you have to do a toga, but if they did, like, a toga and, like, he's holding a sword or something, you know, that would just be cool. I mean, there's so many things you could do with it, even if it's just all of them you know, just holding a uh, some kind of torch that lights up in front of them or something like that. There's just so much you could do to make it better, but at least update the signage to make it look better than what it does. I mean, putting them on a 300 level, I believe, is the it's been a long time since I've been to a home game because of COVID, but I feel like they were zip-tied up to the top on the 300 section, that's not where you need to put them. You need to put them in a more permanent place. It's not going to get ripped off in a rainstorm. I mean, there's a lot of teams that have them on the ground that surround the uh, whole field on field level. There's teams that have them plastered uh, up underneath those like secondary scoreboards that show you the stats of other games and all that. And the fantasy points there's a lot of places on this stadium that you can make it a little bit more permanent it's not that hard. I don't. I don't understand why they don't take the simple steps. Why are the dollhouses still up? I know that's an off a tangent, but why are the dollhouses even still up? We have we have volunteered. Mike has a truck. I'm currently in a truck. We can come over there and do it for free. And I'm sure you could get many fans who would do it for free. Just take them down. Just take them down. You could have a parking lot bonfire with the remains of the dollhouses, and it would be a huge event among Titans fans. I guarantee it. They could tear down the dollhouses right now, slap printed out pictures of the Ring of Honor inductees onto inflatable flailing arm tube men and put them in place of the dollhouses, and it would already be much better. Dollhouses are terrible. They gotta go. I just don't get it. I just don't get how something so easy cannot get done. All right, Zach, we got three and a half minutes. Please pull up this Houston Chronicle article that you pointed out right before we started recording about their ballyhooing and ballyhoo ballyhoo yeah. about uh, about the Titans franchise. So this is written by Matt Young of the Houston Chronicle. How dare you Tennessee Titans inducting bum Phillips in a ring of honor. And it starts out the Tennessee Titans announced Wednesday. They'll be inducting Houston Oilers legendary head coach bum Phillips in the ring of honor this season. We have two words for that announcement. Absolutely not. Well, let me tell you something, Matt Young. It's absolutely going to happen. Doesn't really matter what you say in this stupid article. He even goes on to say that Mike Munchak has no connection and no, and who has never had any association with Tennessee. Mike what? Munchak. Mike what? Munchak, who, who was a head coach of this team, 
who coached the offensive line for years. He said that there had never had any association with Tennessee. And then he, you know, lists off Earl Campbell, Warren Moon, Elvin Bethea, Ken Houston, George Blandon, no connection to Tennessee whatsoever. Well, let me tell you something. I'm sorry that they didn't, you know, let you keep the Cleveland Browns-esque way for the Houston Texans. And I'm sorry that you only have two, P- two Texans players in your ring of honor. Well, one player and Bob McNair. You have Andre Johnson and Bob McNair in your ring of honor. And I'm sorry that it sits pretty lonely with just two names like you put on there. But that's a Houston problem. That's not a Tennessee problem. That's the fault of your GM, your owner, Bob McNair, of not being able to get good players. You know, give me a break that you are complaining. That's what it boils down to. It's not even a ring of honor. It's a line of honor. It's it's a line it's the shortest distance between two points, and there's only two people. They have a line of honor. I, I do uh, I do think it's ridiculous. Like, this whole argument, and, and it seems like anytime anything with the Oilers comes up, someone in Houston has to go off and, and spout off about, well, uh, this should never happen. This is our history. But, well, look, you ran the team out of town. You didn't – you let them leave. Uh, you know, blame your your city government, your you know own people uh, for for what happened there. You know, Mike Keith has some good stories about the circumstances surrounding Bud Adams uh, leaving uh, the Houston the Houston market and coming up here. So um, yeah, I, I don't feel bad at all for these people. Look, you've got your own team now. Just enjoy. You've had your team for twenty years. Get over it. It, it is the Titans are the Oilers. The Oilers are the Titans. Uh, you're going to see them in Oilers for throwbacks pretty soon, and and they will get really triggered then. Even though we've already seen this team do that uh, before, just you know, 12 years ago, um, so it, they'll get triggered again every time anything like this is going to come up. It's going to get triggered, and and it's ridiculous because look, NFL franchises are NFL franchises. They move sometimes, and and there can be agreements like with the Browns where they leave the history and the team logo and the team name and all that stuff behind for the city. There can be agreements like that, but one wasn't made in this case. So if, uh, if you have any sort of feelings uh, negative about the Oilers being a part of the, the Titans history, then you should talk to your own city government about it. So that that's, that's, uh, that's really all there is to it. There's, it, it, it's, it's just it is what it is at this point and it's only going to become more um ingrained into the titans franchise with the way a- amy adams trunk is embracing old oilers so write your congressman that's right that's what mike's saying write your congressman well let's just keep going around the afc south because one of our favorite topics is back in the news urban meyer has had to appear in court because he decided to hire and then fire a racist within 48 hours now Iowa wants to know about it. Um, I'm elated. Zach, I don't know about you, but I'm elated. I'm, I'm super elated. I love the fact that Jacksonville Jaguars put out a, um, a statement saying they, they're co- fully cooperating, but they don't understand why there's no connection. Well, if there's no connection to Iowa and him being racist and abusing uh, emotionally and mentally abusing players – then why did you fire him after 48 hours of hiring him? 
because of all the backlash, right? And obviously, you probably investigated and were told stuff by him in the interview process, I'm assuming, if you guys did your jobs right, which is a huge assumption that the Jacksonville Jaguars did anything correct and did any kind of background check. So, yeah, if you fire someone after 48 hours of hiring them, then you found out something bad, right? And obviously they something happened so you you are relevant because you made yourself relevant hiring this coach which was publicly known that he was in a a lawsuit with iowa so yeah yeah you're you're relevant you're relevant this will probably be the last time you're relevant in the nfl news in the nfl once regular season starts but you are relevant to the Iowa NCAA investigation. Yeah, it's, it's funny that they would think that, well, you know, we hired him and fired him. You know, what's, what's the question? Um, yeah, it, it, if you, like, explain yourself, right? I, I mean, because, of course, you didn't fire him after 48 hours because he was doing such a bad job strength training your players during uh, the time he was setting up his desk. Um, so why did you fire him? You know, what, what did, uh, what was that all about? That is a valid question in any, uh, investigation. Cause like, yeah, if you didn't think he did anything wrong, then why would you fire him? Um, so yeah, it, it's clear the Jaguars, the, I mean, it was clear the Jaguars stepped in at the moment they hired this guy and everyone with a computer, uh, could type in Google, uh, Chris Doyle, and come up with 10 articles about, you know, all this crazy stuff that happened at Iowa and how bad his players hated him and allegations of abuse and racism and everything else that has been tied to this guy. It's not like it was a well-kept secret uh, that they just, you know, oh, it, well, it got turned up, you know, when he, he got to the NFL. No, this was widely available. And in the moment it was announced he was being hired, people jumped all over this. Um, so for the Jaguars not to realize that that was going to happen is just ridiculously uh, short-sighted and ridiculously like, you know, in Urban Meyer trying to pretend like he'd worked with him for a bunch of like the whole thing just stinks of Urban Meyer not knowing what he's doing, just trying to hire his buddies uh, or, you know, just trying to hire some guy. It's just it's awful. It's mismanagement. It's embarrassing for the franchise. Um, but how much more embarrassed can that franchise be at this point, I guess? That's why I cannot wait for actual football to start because as much as I'm enjoying seeing the Jags just have silly story after silly story pop up, I, I need to see something happen on the football field because I really hope this translates into just how terrible they can end up being on the field. And, uh, you know, again, I, I know it's list season. I know people keep putting out, you know, everything from their team rankings to quarterback rankings and all that. But I consistently keep seeing pundits put out records for the Jags where they're getting six wins, seven wins. I, I'm just I'm, – I'm ready for a mess. I'm ready for a disaster. And I really hope we get a disaster on the field because off the field, off season, it, it's been a mess. Yeah, it's it's been better than expected. Like we we all knew that when Urban Meyer got hired, it was pretty much going to be written in stone that this is going to be a disaster of a hire and that he's not an NFL head coach. 
And we've been saying for the longest time that probably two and a half seasons, maybe one and a half seasons in, he's going to fake something. It's it's really it's really going that direction. I mean, you're talking about a guy that's compl- that hired a racist coach, complained about how free agency works, then said, oh, well, we got a really good free agency class, which they didn't. They just got a bunch of special teamers and Marvin Jones. And now this is going on. And then you have the fines from uh, not being able to conduct OTAs properly, which are pretty simple to do. I mean, it's just one thing after another. I mean, taking Travis Etienne and the first round and then turning him into a wide receiver when you have LaVisca Chenault and you already have James Robinson, an undrafted free agent, it's just a mess. I mean, it's just – it's ridiculous. I – you know, I'm not a big Clemson fan, not a big Trevor Lawrence fan. Just from an Alabama standpoint, I, I think Trevor Lawrence is talented, obviously. So I kind of feel bad for him that he's having to go play for Daryl Bevel and go play for uh, Brian Schottenheimer, who Brian Schottenheimer, don't forget, spurned him from Georgia. Basically is the reason why Trevor Lawrence did not go to Georgia uh, as a football player, which thank the Lord for that as an Alabama fan. But it, it's just, I kind of feel bad for him, eh, but then I don't. Let's talk about Washington football team which the name itself has grown on me. And, and I think the three of us are in agreement that they should just keep it Washington football team. But their step to unveil their new official name and logo in early 2022, um, there was an original article that was put out that had uh, the inclusion of a name, the Warriors. The Washington football team has come out and said that it's not going to be the Warriors. They don't want to tread anywhere close to anything sounding Native American-esque, so that's out. But out of some of the nicknames that I've seen out there, and I'll start with Mike, what's your your pick for what the name should be? I I think my favorite is, I mean, first, the the list of five that I saw was shamefully bad. I mean, shamefully bad. Like, Washington presidents could not get any less imaginative. Uh, And, and like – Calling a team the presidents, it just, it's weird. But even worse than that, Washington Monarchs? What, what, why is that even on the list of possibilities? It is almost like an ironic name, but why would, I just don't understand. So the one that was on the list that I actually thought was okay, the Renegades was like, not terrible, but not good either. Red Wolves is solid. I mean, it's it's generic-ish, but nobody else is the Red Wolves, at least not at the professional level. So it's unique. Uh, you're not doubling up on anything. Um, and it keeps the, you know, the HTTR, the hail to the Red Wolves. Like, I mean, a lot of their stuff, they'd be just be able to slot Red Wolves right in for Red Skins. Uh, so it, it is not offensive you can make a cool logo out of it there's not a wolf team in the nfl right now um so it's kind of you know it kind of fits in in a little gap there i like the red wolves i that that to me is the best one unless they decide to keep football team which is hilarious um it's a little bit awkward sometimes when you're trying to write about them um but besides that i i do think washington football team just as a name is is funny I, I think that they should go Washington Football Club. I kind of like that one. 
uh, just lean into a totally different sport and just take that over. And uh, I like football team, of course. It really grew on me. I thought it was really funny at first, but now I kind of like it. I just kind of like that they're, yeah, we're just a football team. Uh, the Red Tails, what happened to the Red Tails? Because wasn't that a yeah. thing uh, with the uh, the Jets and fighter pilots and all that kind of stuff, that history? Yeah. I think but that was one that I saw it on a different yeah. list. But but I, I agree, Red Wolves. My complaint with Red Wolves is that it's not two words. It's all one word. I don't understand it. I mean, I don't know if that's really what the animal is called, but I really don't care because I think you should separate them and just be the Red Wolves or Washington Wolves. Why not just be the Washington Wolves? Uh, WW alliteration. Alliteration is always good for team branding. Uh, but let's talk about this Washington Monarchs thing. What has happened to America that they're all about celebrating England? Like, what is this? I mean, I saw all these fans on the Euros rooting for England and, you know, siding with England and stuff. Uh, do y'all guys not remember the Revolutionary War? We, this is the place, this is the most overrated, London is the most overrated city to visit. There, the Tower of London is it. All of the pubs are the same. Literally, they serve the same food, same looking menu. They're the same on the inside. They serve the same warm beer. Not even the best fish and chips in all of the Europe. That belongs to, in Ireland. I mean, That's true. Let, me, let me say something. Well, I'll say this. Italy, I know there was a big thing with Mussolini, World War II, and all that kind of crap. You know, but at least they <laughs> at least they gave us good food. At least they give us Peroni, which is an excellent beer if you haven't had it. Very refreshing. But they you're talking about a a country in a city in London and a country in England. And now you got Washington, DC, our our nation's capital, thinking about calling themselves the Washington monarchs. Unless they're going to go lean into monarch butterflies or something, which would be hilarious, by the way, if they were eventually just butterflies and that was their mascot. Let's get rid of this. Get, I'm tired of this London stuff. I'm tired of England. Sick of it. So if you're going to call them the monarchs, I mean, you might as well just call them the Washington White House fire at that point. Yes. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's incredibly offensive on the other side of the spectrum with, you're just celebrating the British. I mean, do you, what do you want to call them? The Washington, the French bailed us out. I mean, like it's just, let's just go ahead and lean all the way into it. But listen, we're missing one here that I stumbled upon right before we started talking about this that, that I think has to be the name, and I hope you do agree with me. So off Yahoo Sports, they named out six nicknames that they feel like that the team should go with and arguments behind it, and there's a fantastic one here. The Washington Red Hogs. It leans into the, the whole pig thing and just imagine their mascot as a giant red hog going ape on the field. It's got to be the red hogs. I, I want some, I want a team called the hogs. I want a giant pig logo. I really think we should lean into something called the red hogs. They well, should set 30 to 50 of them loose on the field. Well, they have uh, all their – uh, fans anyway do dress up in pig noses and stuff like I don't know if you if you guys recall that but for the longest yeah. time the Washington football team had fans that I, I don't remember the significant of it or the story but they 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 wear the the pig noses the pig ears and all this stuff lean into that I, I'm with you I mean you could call them the toxic feral hogs the radioactive toxic feral hogs I mean I know that's a mouthful but you know it's kind of scary right yeah, what was the name of that article I sent in our group the other day about the, the Fukushima plant in Japan yeah. has these wild, out-of-control terror 
radioactive pigs or something. And I was just like, this is great. It's like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with hogs. They should lean into the hogs. I agree. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good with hybrid that. Terror pigs. Radioactive yeah. hybrid terror pigs. Man bear pigs? Man bear um, pigs. Yeah, I, I, I think that would be a good name. And I do like that it ties in with the, the their history and everything like that. It's a good way to kind of make something good out of uh, what really was kind of a bad situation with having to change the name and everything like that. What about the Washington Senators? I know the Ottawa Senators is a whole thing and like they have a great logo, but it's a terrible team. Like I kind of feel like Washington's believing that. Washington Senators rolls off the rolls off the tongue. And uh, they could they could just copy Ottawa and being just terrible. It's definitely on the nose. You call them the Washington gridlock, you know, because when Senate's, you know, getting the gridlocks or the. Uh, oh, what, what is, yeah, the filibuster. Washington Washington filibusters. That's exactly what I was thinking. The busters. Oh, the busters would busters. actually be a cool, the, a cool like shortening of that. Um, yeah. Washington, uh, Washington senators. I don't know. I, I, I'm not crazy about that. Because, I mean, you're really shirking the whole House of Representatives at that point. You know, like, senators are the only thing. That's only half of Congress. You what know? about so Washington like, Secret Service? Yeah, 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 you could do that. Um, Washington Supreme Court Justices. Or Washington Justice. Uh, Justice oh, that's could be a, a good, good one. Name. Washington yeah. Justice is good. How about just Washington I, football, and then they make Ron Rivera uh, carry around a briefcase that's handcuffed to him? I like it. The, wa- the nuclear, the Washington football. nuclear football. <laughs> I really, I like that. And the plays are all handcuffed to his wrist. But that's the whole time. I really, I think we need to go back to what I originally said, the the Washington White House fire. I mean, if we're just going to call them the Monarchs, let's call them the White House fire. I mean, <laughs> or the Washington Redcoats, just call them Washington Redcoats at this point. Zach, I really like that you're, you got your Euro rant in because we didn't get to talk about the Euros. I really like that you found a way to fit that in there. I'm very proud of you. I mean, they don't even have their own cuisine. I mean, they're, they're known for Indian food. That's not even your food. Like, give me a break, London, England, this old crap. And give me a break, Americans, for rooting for that team. Root for the team that gives you spaghetti and meatballs, man. Come on. Listen, <laughs> I, I, I did enjoy visiting London when I went, but you're right about the food. It was... It was not good. They put my uh, my wife one night ordered pizza to the room. She like you know was was just one a night in, uh, tired from the travel and all that stuff. She, she ordered a pizza to the room, just a regular pizza, just you know whatever the standard pizza, whatever comes on. They sent a pizza to the room that had peas on it, like English peas. Oh, no. That is disgusting. Like I I that like we left that day like just we're out we're out of the country can't can't deal with this anymore throw it down the hotel hallway yeah just like uh, spit on it and look at them i mean it's that is an offense to human taste buds i cannot believe that did you put that on your customs document when you left do you have anything (laughs) to declare yeah they they put peas on my pizza and i'm out of here yeah, I'm never coming Welcome back. back to the United States. What, what did uh, Dennis Farina say at the end of Snatch? Yeah, London sucks or something like that. <laughs> Dennis Farina's whole rant about going to London, why he's there, why he's leaving. Some of the best lines in cinematic history. You want a caravan? Okay, Uh-oh. so to just continue along the entire tradition of this show, 
We've had beeping. We've had dead silences. Zach's got a curse word. He's going to have to get off the air. It's been a good one. So yeah. that's where we're going to wrap it up today. That's going to do it for us here at Football and Other F-Words. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Share with your friends and family. And if you have not, please come check us out at broadwaysportsmedia.com. More content just like this, articles and whatnot from Zach and Michael. We would love to have you over there, broadwaysportsmedia.com. And for all of us here at Football and Other F-Words, a reminder, you've just been effed. A Broadway Sports Media Production.